Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast, where you'll find fresh messages uploaded weekly. Pathway Church is a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God and see them become devoted followers of Jesus. We hope that what you hear today will help you to take one step closer to Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us, and if you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe. My name is Tim Coles, um, so I'm the National Director for Youth for Christ in Canada, and we get to be a part of, uh, our family gets to be part of this wonderful church here at Pathway. Um, uh, We got our start with Youth for Christ 25 years ago. Uh, Kevin James, uh, who was the Executive Director at the time in Peterborough here, hired me to be the uh, uh, concert and event coordinator, and so I got to promote Christian concerts, and it was a lot of fun, and the last show that I actually promoted event, uh, we had Delirious as uh, as our band, so... Uh, been one of those that we've been singing for a long time, um, that wonderful song. And when I, when I quite often find myself singing that song is when I'm walking down uh, Robinson Road in Ennismore. So if any of you live out in Ennismore or ever travel out that way, the Holy Land, it truly is. Um, I, I, I have like, I've never been diagnosed, but I think anyone in my family would agree, like, you know, ADHD. Um, and it comes in really handy when you're a concert and event coordinator. Yes, Eli is nodding his head, smiling back there. Um, it comes in really handy when you're trying to coordinate lots of people, do lots of things at once, because you can just kind of boom, 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 and kind of fire stuff, and, you know, it's all exciting. But then, like, ask me any question in any conversation, and I'll have no idea. Um, so uh, kind of live with that. But anyway, so part of that is when I sit down to spend time with the Lord in prayer in the morning, I, like... You know, I, I can read my Bible, and I can sort of, I can stay focused on that. Um, I have a little Bible study plan that I use by, that was written by Sunner Christian, uh, who's Rabbi Zacharias' brother-in-law, who, and Sunner wrote this great little devotional. At the very beginning of the devotional, it says, it's all time, okay? Four minutes to check your email. That's the very first step, right? So the, to sort of get that off your, and that's good for me, right? Otherwise, what would happen? The whole time I do my devotions, ding, oh, shoot, I better, no, check your email. Like, so the best way for me to pray when I pray is to go for a walk. And if I keep my feet moving, then I can then I can pray. But then I end up saying, I could sing of your love forever. Well, I'm walking down Robinson Road this morning. So anyway, if you see me doing that, I'm not crazy. I just love Jesus. So we have. Uh, a couple of, uh, just a funny little thing, I'll sort of get this out there, you know, in case anybody, um, you know, doesn't want to talk about it, but I accidentally dialed 911 the other day, um, it's kind of embarrassing, so I, I was, uh, my little alarm, or an alarm went off in our bedroom, and I, you know, you know, it was four o'clock in the morning, and I'd just gotten home from a trip, and actually just gotten home from a series of trips, I was in Kelowna, and Kamloops, and Saskatoon, and Winnipeg, and Burlington, and back to Winnipeg, and then I was home. And it was my first night in my own bed, like, that, to, to be a consistent sort of nights in my own bed, which, is, which I was, have really enjoyed for the last couple of weeks. And, uh, and so I grabbed my phone, and I guess when I tried to, thinking I was shutting off an alarm, I pushed those two buttons, you know, you know those two? And then it goes SOS. So don't swipe that, okay? Um, so I did, and then the, the phone started to go, eh, eh. And then a phone, I got a phone call, and it was the police saying that, that, my, that I dialed 911 on my phone, and was everything okay? And I, I said, well, actually, I'm really sorry, I just hit my phone in the middle of the night, and, and this is what happened. And uh, 
And so that's okay. It, it, it happens from time to time. We just need to ask you a few questions to, to clear the call. I said, okay, what's your name? Uh, Tim Coles. Uh, what's your date of birth? August 30th, 1969. Yes, I am 50. Uh, I just won't hide that. Where do you live? What's your address? 698 Clinton Avenue, Ennismore. Are you there right now? Yes. Okay, I need to send the police to clear the call. <laughs> so then we had to wait till 5 o'clock, 5.30 in the morning to get the police to come to show up. So the officer that came, thank you very much. You're very gracious. And he believed me that I hadn't murdered my family. Um, okay. What have we got up there? Awesome. Okay. little something about Youth for Christ. Uh, last week, uh, last week, Nate, Pastor Nate said uh, that Tim Coles was speaking next week. And I was speaking right after Tony. Like... Who wants to go after Tony, right? That's like the church has had a pastor for like 30 years and they put this guy in there for two months to get beat up, you know, and then the next guy, no. So I, have to, I get to follow Tony and, and, and Nate said sort of, and Tim will be telling us some stories. Go, no, that wasn't my plan to tell stories about you for Christ. But, I, but since he said that, I'll just quickly just give you a quick little uh, brush over on, uh, on Youth for Christ. Um, so before I do, so one of the things that we've been doing for the last 10 years in Peterborough is, uh, is I've had the joy and privilege of being the chaplain of the Peterborough Pete's. And uh, so that's a volunteer thing that I've been doing for a while. Just got Dave Jones, who's with, at Living Hope, involved with me on that. He's in the, currently in the raising support with Youth for Christ to take that on for me. My plan is, is at the end of uh, this season, uh, probably be my, my last, maybe, maybe I'll just serve under Dave and help him a little bit. But it's, it's too much with the role that I'm in right now. I have loved it, though. In fact, last uh, Tuesday night, we had, uh, we had the whole team uh, together for chapel. And uh, most often we get about, uh, you know, believe it or not, like it's incredible uh, if you ever watch a game, uh, you know, 16-ish, 16 to 18 guys come to chapel uh, every other week. And we just do chapel. I mean, like we eat a meal together, we do a devotional together, and we pray together. And it's meaningful. And at the end of this one, I mean, every guy was like coming up and hugging and thanking and can I get that scripture? And like, pray for the Pete's. Yeah, pray for the Pete's. Um, we've got, we'll actually be soon putting out a, because uh, uh, we were waiting for this to be firmed up that I'm just about to show you. But we'll be putting out a pray for the Pete's little insert that we'll be able to take and you can stick up in your kid's bedroom. So when you're going to bed and the kid wants to pray, you can pray for the Pete's when you're praying at bedtime each day of the month. And on the back side of that is the announcement. Um, this one, January 30th, Mike Fisher will be our speaker at Faith Night on January 30th. Uh, last year we had Sean Brando for the Humboldt Broncos uh, speak. We had about 1,100 people stay afterwards. It was phenomenal. It was a great night. And so Mike is going to be uh, coming. And of course, everybody, all they really care about is, is Carrie going to be there too? Um, <laughs> so that we'll see. We've got a box just in case. So um, anyway. So that's, uh, that's that. But it's been a real joy, and so pray for the Pete's. And, and January 30th, if you're, if you're into that, l bring a friend. Like Mike's going to share his testimony. It's so good when someone that we kind of maybe look up to or know about shares their story. It just it really connects with people, right? So Mike's going to share his journey and, and from the stage. And actually, uh, Jason and some of our pathway people are going to be doing some music that night as well. So we're just working that stuff all out. Anyway, so Peter Pete's January 30th. Next day is PA day. All right, a little bit about, uh, yeah, good nights for your kids. A little bit about YFC. Uh, so Youth for Christ in Canada, uh, we've just gone through, I just became national director 16 months ago, and we grew like crazy over the last 10 or 12 years, like crazy. 
uh, it, it's been unreal across Canada. Uh, we had about 350 staff uh, about 10 or 12 years ago, and we just surpassed 800 this year. And uh, it's unreal what God's doing. Uh, back in 06, between 06 and 08, when the financial crisis was on, the recession, and everybody said that, you know, they were saying to us, like, you're just not going to be able to do ministry the way you do it. You, with staff raising support across the country, it's just not going to be able to be done anymore. And we doubled in size by the grace of God um, since that time. So we're really thankful for that. But in, in this season, what I feel God's called me to as leader is to create clarity in our mission and organization and, and protect that clarity of our mission and what we do, and then also to uh, really become more intentional about what we do. So it's, and, and if you ever tried to turn a big anything anywhere, it's, it's a lot of work to try and do that. So, but we're excited about that. So we've been working through some new statements, and uh, it's been really good to see. This is our new mission statement, every young person living fully in Christ. I was in McDonald's in, uh, in Whitby, and it was like 11 o'clock at night, and there was a group of kids uh, sitting in the corner there. And, uh, and I had just bought, like the day before, a new hat. And, and uh, I don't buy hats very often, but this one was the first time I've ever bought like a bit of a flat-rimmed hat. Like Eli would say, that's not a flat hat, Dad. But I mean, it's, like it's kind of like a flatter-rimmed hat for me, and I've never worn that before. And, as I, and I, you know, so I'm conscious of this thing digging into my forehead, if you've ever worn a flat hat. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm walking in. I'm conscious of this hat I've got on my head. And there's a group of teenagers over the corner. And one of the guys had the same hat on, okay? So now, 50-year-old guy walks in, wearing the same hat as teenager who's sitting at McDonald's. What do they do? But they heckle me, right? So they're, you know, they're just, ha, 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 that guy's trying to look young and blah, 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 right? And I'm walking up to the, to the kiosk, to the screen thing, whatever you call those things, kiosk, we'll call it a kiosk. And, and, by the way, I love those. Plugs, anyway. Um, and I'm typing my thing in, and I'm going, punks. Right? And then something happened. But every young person living fully in Christ. Lord, forgive me. And I turned around and I was like, hey, boys. <laughs> Isn't it amazing, right? What words are so powerful, how they can, and how when, when God breathes into us things that are so powerful that they can actually change our perspective in a moment. And in that moment, I, I realized how powerful those words are that God gave us as a whole group of leaders across Canada when we came up with a new mission statement, every young person living fully in Christ. Um, we also, so then we, we clarified stuff like, so people will say to me all the time, so, you know, I'm on a plane, I'm flying to wherever, and, and you sit down beside somebody, so what do you guys do exactly? Right? And you go, well, you know, we've got youth centers, and we do job stuff, and we, and we have, we try to teach kids about Jesus, you're, but you're, blah, 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 you know, fumbling along, right? So we, you know, so not for the sake of just having an elevator speech, but to be able to say clearly what it is that we do and then be able to purposefully measure it, we came up with this. We engage and equip youth to know and follow Jesus. So you know how wonderful that is in an airplane when people, they, you sit down beside somebody and they go, so what do you guys do exactly? Well, we engage and equip youth to know and follow Jesus. That's pretty clear. <laughs> right? Well, how do you do that? Well, we engage them. So we've got drop-in centers. Oh, hang on, I'll get to that. I got pictures. There you go. We've got... We've got gym programs, we've got drop-in centers, we've got skate parks, we've got camps, we've got all kinds of things all across Canada. We do concerts and events and outreaches, and we do that to engage youth. And then we equip youth through after-school programs, mentoring, um, English as second language, literacy, uh, shop programs, uh, leadership development, and all kinds of different things. But what do we do that for? 
We do that so that in relationship they can know who Jesus is. So out of relationship, we work at knowing who Jesus is. Now, when we did this and uh, we, we created some success indicators around that, we, we, we realized that one of the ways that we would be successful, we can, we can count on that we'll be successful if we start with being saturated in prayer. And so when we were together as executive directors, we talked about this and we said, uh, we'll be saturated in prayer. And this one brand new executive director realized that in his chapter, they weren't really doing that very well. So he called a seven-day fast with his staff to fast and pray for the for the about four or five hundred young people that they were working with in their in their communities around central Alberta. And and they prayed and they felt very boldly that they prayed that that uh, twelve young people would come to know Jesus over the course of the next month as they intentionally intentionally shifted their life in three sixty program, which is a Tuesday night where they kind of like what we do in Pete's Chapel. They eat together, they do devotional together, and they pray together. But they would intentionally, you know, not just do talks that are slightly engaging that would hopefully follow up with something else, but they would actually be really intentional about sharing the gospel in those four weeks. And at the end of the first week, 12 kids made decisions to follow Jesus. <coughs> By, that was last October. By Christmas, 131 kids made decisions to follow Jesus. Saturate, intentional, right? Saturated in prayer. So that's what we do. We engage and equip youth to, to know so they can know. Okay, this is actually baptismal tank set up in the drop-in center in, in uh, uh, at central Alberta. i uh, to think of the name of the town. Um, beautiful lake. Sylvan Lake. Sylvan Lake, uh, Alberta. And uh, they partnered with a church to bring a baptismal in there because they were baptizing kids that had come to faith uh, and then partnered with that church to know and to follow. So... We engage and equip youth to know and follow Jesus. So the following is, of course, discipleship. And that's actually an area we haven't been very good at. So uh, we're, we're working at, uh, we've, got a, we've got a team right now developing uh, a, volu- a, a discipleship model for our staff to be discipling one another and discipled and also to disciple young people. So really quick, a uh, couple of stats. So you are part of something bigger. I did this actually this is from a presentation I did last week or two weeks ago in Morden, uh, Manitoba, which, by the way, if you ever hear someone say when you meet them, they say, welcome here. They're from Manitoba, just so you know. Like, all Manitobans say that. That's the only place in Canada they say it. If they're somewhere else and they say that, you say, hey, you're from Manitoba. And you go, how do you know? Well, because Tim said that Manitobans say that. <laughs> anyway, nothing to do with my presentation. Uh, that's Canada. And you know what's really interesting, actually, here in Ontario? And I'm taking a couple liberties. I, I will try and wrap up in the same amount of time, Nate, just so you know. But here's a, here's a little problem we've got right now in Canada. Uh, how many of you have been in uh, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta in the last six months? Okay, not too many. I've been there, how many times, honey? <laughs> like six times in the last three months? They are actually talking about separation. Like not just in the news, not just like a little bit here. They're actually in coffee shops at our fundraising dinner in Morden, Manitoba, talking about separating from Canada. Okay, it's real. Uh, let's bring our country together and love one another, right? And reach out to our brothers and sisters around the country. I don't want to break this map up and be uh, Youth for Christ Ontario, right? So just a little word. Pray for our country. Pray for our nation. This is uh, 33 chartered chapters across the country. We've got a lot in Ontario, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, BC. We've got new ministries out in uh, Cape Breton, Halifax, uh, Northern Alberta. We call those affiliates. Uh, then we have... Uh, New conversations happening all the time across the country. 1,100 different programs. Actually, one of the things we're working on right now is canning about those into like pots of like seven or eight so that we can, uh, we can create contextualized models that have actual 
resources available. Um, we have 870 staff. I'll do that for our staff because they always go, how many have we got this year? 870 across Canada and uh, just under 6,000 volunteers. It's an area that we really want to work on. just want to see that I took a slide out. Oh, yeah. In 2018, um, we had, uh, in 2018, we had, we contacted, so we engaged, right? So we engaged 203,768 youth across Canada. Uh, we had to know uh, 2,578 kids came to know Jesus in, in 2018 and 6,428 in the fall in uh, discipleship programs. And over the last three years, 10,455 kids in Canada came to know Jesus through YFC. So we're really thankful for that. Yeah. So, going to get into my message now. So let me, uh, let me just uh, pray and uh, move into this message part. Uh, Lord, I thank you for the way that you're at work in our church. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the vision that you gave to Nate and Jessica and the, the, the friends that were together five or six, seven years ago to start this church. And Lord, for those of us who get to enjoy in that investment. And uh, Father, I pray that this morning that as I feel you've led me down a specific path that was different than when I thought I was going to go, that it would be purposeful. And even if it's for one person here today, I pray, Lord, that, uh, that you would speak by your power uh, into, into our lives. And Lord, for those of us uh, who are following you and walking with you, I pray that we would be also challenged with, uh, with how we can best love those around us. pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So here's the passage that I'm going to work from. When I started preparing for this, I was actually looking at... You know, when you read a passage, I was reading this passage over and over and over again a few mornings uh, in my devotional time, and two words stood out to me from this passage, the words power and love, and I'll read this to you. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you through his spirit, sorry, strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. When I first looked at this passage, what was jumping out to me were the words love and power. And I got thinking, wait, uh, so why are these two words together, power and love? So you've got, uh, I pray that um, he says, strengthen you with power through his spirit and your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power. Wait, being rooted and established in love may have power. So it's talking about God's power at work in us, but that we would also have power being rooted and established in love. And the direction that I was going to go with this message, even right up until last Sunday when I was describing to Nate, was talking about how as, as people, we, we have power and influence with people around us, whether it's our children or it's people at our place of work or it's students that we teach at school or it's peers that we have around us or you're the player in the hockey team, the other players, in the, whatever, you have you have the potential to have power and influence with those around us. But we can, we can wield that power, let's say the sword, that power, we can wield it in a certain way that if it's not wrapped in love can be taken the wrong way or maybe it was intentionally delivered in the wrong way. 
But if we wrap that, the, the, that power in love, then we're, we're able to then have spiritual power in people's lives, which is not just you know, a positional power or an expert power or an authoritative power. It's an influential power in people's lives. And, and that can transform the world. But I'm not going to speak on that. Because I think by God's power at work in us, because he's at work in us, I, I think he, he wanted me to go in a different direction. And it didn't even come clear until about Wednesday this week. So let me, uh, let me just walk us through this. So first of all, I want to just give you a bit of history and a bit of context. So this is a prayer, right? This is Paul's prayer. I love it when Jesus prays. John 17, where he prayed and said, I pray this, um, uh, I pray this, so he's talking to God, uh, not only for you, Father, but I also pray for them who are hearing it. So like they're hearing me pray this, and I want them to hear what I'm praying. So Paul is praying for the Ephesians, but he's actually writing this prayer to them. So he, he's praying the prayer to God, and he's also praying so they'll know what he was praying to God, so they'll have an idea. So then who are the Ephesians? Um, the Ephesians are Gentiles who were uh, in a, they were, they were not Jews, okay, so Paul was a Jew, and he was from uh, Israel, and he was a Pharisee, and the Jewish people uh, didn't intermingle too much or tried not to uh, with certain uh, Gentiles for sure, like certainly not Samaritans, but other Gentiles as well, and so that was, and the two were basically kind of separated by uh, the Israelites, the Jews believed in Yahweh, in the God of Israel, and others had all kinds of other gods, and, and of course, we know and believe that that it was through uh, the God of Israel and through the, that covenant that came Christ uh, because out of that, just to, again, this is important for the message, in that context, um, God created the world and, and then there was original sin through Adam and Eve and then from then uh, there, was, there was sin and because of sin came death and, with, and then for us not to have eternal, well, it, not, not to, to take away the penalty for sin, we were, we're, we're covering it up with sacrifices for thousands of years. So they would sacrifice animals to cover the sin so that they could be right with God. So they would, they would, you know, they would tell a lie and then they would kill a, a pigeon and then you would, you would, you know, I don't know, break your brother's arm and, you know, you'd kill a goat and whatever the thing. On purpose, you broke your brother's arm, right, Eli? And um, <laughs> kidding, that never happened in our house, but that could happen. Um, so, but, but, you would, but you would sin, lie, cheat, steal, whatever. And there would be, you would either die, because some, some of the sins you're actually killed for, right? If you committed adultery and the two are found out, I mean, you'd be put to death. Um, but to cover, to atone for our sin, uh, we would have sacrifices. Well, Jesus came to be the sacrifice so that we would no longer have to sacrifice if we placed our faith in him. But this is brand new. And Paul was not called Paul at this time. He was called Saul. And so, who, sorry, before this, so he's bringing this message to these people that don't know, uh, these, new, these are new believers of Ephesians, but largely this people group doesn't know about this Jesus and this Messiah and this story. But the background on Paul himself, who's bringing this message to them, is that he says, for this reason, I knew before that I talked about the prayer, he says, back in Ephesians uh, 3, 7, the couple of verses earlier, he says, I became a servant of this gospel, this good news, that Jesus has covered our sins. I, I became a servant of this gospel. By the God's gift, um, given... Sorry, I just got a Twitter feed up on my, uh, my screen. It just distracted me. Um, <laughs> I wrote something on Twitter yesterday, and I've had like a million likes on it today. So anyway. Um, I became a servant of... I should shut that off. <laughs> okay, there we go. 
I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power, it says. Although I am less than the least of the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. Okay, so why was Paul least of all the Lord's people? Because Paul was Saul. His name was Saul. When he was Saul, he was a Pharisee, so he was a a teacher of the law of, of God. He was a Pharisee. And he did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He knew about him. He did not believe that he was the Messiah. In fact, he thought he was a false Messiah, an antichrist. That's what he believed because a lot of the Jews did not believe. That's why they put him to death. They put Jesus to death because they didn't believe that he was the one. And, of course, we know that Jesus died and then three days later rose again by the power of God and in that conquered death. And, uh, And then he appeared to the disciples many times. So, but... Saul, is he's out there. Why is he the least of these? Because he was out there to put that to an end. He was going to snuff out these rumors about this Jesus. And so much so that a, a man named Stephen in the book of Acts was, was, was preaching, was talking about Jesus and about his, who he was as a son of God and about how, what, he, what he did and, and talked through the whole history and how we got to this and then how Jesus is the savior of the world and all this stuff. And Saul was gathering coats for all the people that were going to throw rocks at Stephen to kill him. And then Saul says, in fact, I'm going to go to Damascus and I'm going to round up all these people who say they're followers of Jesus and I'm going to bring them back here and then we're going to judge them. And that judgment, in some cases, would have meant being put to death or at the very least, don't ever mention his name again. That's what what Saul was about. That's what Saul was all about. I became a servant of God by the gospel, by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. So Saul was on his way to Damascus with a group of guys that were going to round these people up. And Jesus appeared to him. Now, nobody else saw Jesus. You're like, yeah, was it really Jesus? They heard his voice. His voice said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, the one that you're persecuting. So Jesus very powerfully entered into the story of Saul, who was just about to go and try and disrupt this whole thing and what's happening in Damascus. And by his grace, he says, by his grace, it's up there, right? By his grace and the working of his power, stopped him in his tracks, blinded him, and then he went off and he met with some believers. Can you imagine? Imagine meeting with, with those guys, right? Like he was like, Saul? For real? Like he's now going to be talking about this? Are you real? No, 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 no. I met, uh, 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 we have Youth for Christ in Russia, and uh, they're always worried about KGB. And then when a KGB comes to faith in Christ, they're always doing the same thing. Like, really? Like, he's not just an informer? So Saul is now a follower of Jesus. But he's had this dramatic conversion. And he is saying that's why he's bringing this message. So then Paul goes on to, so then he becomes Paul. He was renamed, became Paul. So Paul goes on to say then, in back to uh, verse 16 and 17, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. This is where my message changed from what I was originally going to do to, to, to what we're doing today. Paul knows that this power through God's spirit, and we, he prays that we will know it too. So, it's a power at work. So, Paul, so sometimes when you're, if you're speaking, okay, if you're speaking, you're like, oh, Lord, use me, right? Like you're at the farm, I'm doing it right here. I'm sitting right there going, oh, Lord, use me, right? 
I'll let this thing come out really, really well, right? Let this thing be, and no. Saul was on his way to kill people, and God stepped in. So it's not always that we're, that we're in line with what God's doing when he steps in, okay? But I hope that God uses this message in that way today. We have examples of how God steps into the lives of people at times when they're, they're sort of looking and times when they're not. I want to bring up a popular um, kind of a public icon right now, someone who has made a profession of faith in Jesus, in Kanye West. You guys know, probably already know where I was going to go with that. Have you listened to Jesus is King, his new album? It's really good. I mean, I don't really like hip-hop that much, but I mean, it's really good. It's a, it's a proclamation of the gospel. This guy's life has been changed. He says it was in a hospital room two years ago. He said, I wasn't there. He says it was. But look at me. I, I sound like the new believers in Ephesus, right? Or in Damascus. Paul? That guy? And we're going like, Kanye? He just said he was God two years ago. But I don't know. Right? Who did he say would be the people that would judge him in his album? You guys know what I'm talking about? Who did he say would be the ones who would judge him? Christian. Let's not do that. Let's encourage him. But he said he had an encounter. We had, we used to take, we used to bring in uh, students from Holland into our home. And, uh, and they would come over. And we had this one girl who stayed with us. And, you know, we would pray for her every day. We would pray, Lord, call her to yourself. Lord, call her to yourself. We would pray that every day. And uh, one day we were all watching a movie in my parents' basement, and a bunch of us. And uh, she passed a note over to me. And I opened the note up. And she said, I need to talk. It's weird. It's like God's calling. We're just watching a movie, right? God's power at work. Martin Luther. Martin Luther was devout follower of, of, of God and of Christ, but he had a belief that it was, it was what he did that made him righteous before God, right? It was what he did that made him righteous before God, but it wasn't until he read Romans 117 where he realized that God's righteousness was by faith, not by works. Again, it was, it, it just, he had, a, he had a moment, an intersection with God. Tom Doyle tells us in the book, um, in his book, Dreams and Visions. Anyone read that? Dreams and Visions? Of how, what God is doing in the Muslim world right now? So he says, he tells stories, and if you, Dreams and Visions, just Google that, look it up, buy it, whatever, Kindle, however you do your thing. It's an incredible book. So he, what hap- happening is Jesus is appearing to Muslims in dreams. And he, and he tells a story, tells lots and lots of stories in that book, and they're all verified stories. He tells a story of a woman who had, night after night, she had dream, a dream of Jesus. Jesus would appear to her in a dream. And then one night, he appeared to her with another man in the dream. And she said, and, and Jesus said, look for this man in the market tomorrow, and he will tell you about me. Well, this man was Paul Doyle. And this man was in his apartment in, in the Middle East and was as a missionary and was suddenly prompted with the urge to go to the market on the busiest day of, of the week. And he goes, I hate, I don't want to go to the market today. This is the busiest day to go. I'll go when it's quiet. I want you to go now. So he goes to the market and he's walking through the market going, I don't know what I'm doing here. And then from across the crowd, a woman says, you're him, you're him. And he's... Like, you don't, you don't talk men and women in that culture, right? And so they quietly kind of move off to a spot, and he ensures that he's not going to get killed for talking to her, literally. He says so in the book. And then she says, 
I've been having dreams, and Jesus has been appearing to me, and then you appeared in my dream, and he said that I should look for you in the market today. Tell me about Jesus, right? So God is at work. My own story, when I was 15 years old, I was sitting in uh, a service at Joy Bible Camp, and I had already given my life to Jesus when I was uh, seven years old at Forest Cliff Camp uh, down near Sarnia, Ontario. But at 15 years old, I was really starting to peel off, you know, in a different direction and, and wrestle with, do I really want to do this and, and follow God? And I remember sitting in that service and just had this sense that I was all by myself. And there was something going on around me, but I was all by myself. And I sensed the Lord just calling me to walk with him and to trust him. I was, that was his power at work in my life. This is what Paul's talking about, all these different uh, things. Just this week, just this week, I had a guy um, just out of the blue message me on Facebook. I need Christ in my life. That was the power of God at work in him, recognizing that he has a need for Christ in his life. God's power is still at work, and that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with his power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. God is still at work. I want to just show you a little illustration here. So let's say that this is, this is like God's plan for our life, or this is this is what following Christ looks like. This is the direction, the arrow, okay? So Kanye West, let's just say, is like this. Like he's going in the opposite direction. Let's just suggest. You know, if you've read some of his stuff, you would probably agree. You know, I think he called himself God two years ago or three years ago. Um, so let's say he's heading in that opposite direction. Martin Luther, let's say Martin Luther was, or, or sorry, um, yeah, or not Luther, sorry, Paul. Let's say the, let's say the apostle Paul or Saul was kind of heading off in the same, he, you know, he believed in the same God, but he was, you know, he didn't believe in Jesus as the Messiah, so he was kind of, he was heading in a different direction as well. Maybe this was me. Maybe because I grew up in a Christian home and I did follow Jesus, but I, I was heading off in a different direction from him. And you know what happens when you head off in a different direction? Even if it's a small, minute directional change, you know, in 10 years, right? It goes like this. So I was like, I was starting to do that. And I don't know where you're at, um, if any of these arrows represents where you're at. But here's a beautiful thing is that when, when God's power is at work in us and he begins to stir in us this, it's like he's calling me. Or, what does that really mean? Or, I need Christ. When he begins to stir in us, something happens. And he, when we connect with him at that point, he enters where that point of intersection with him we suddenly become in alignment with him when we begin to follow him. Oh, that goes back here. So I'm going to just go come back to that in a minute. So that is being, understanding God's love for us. I want to talk about the power to grasp God's love. So for some of you here this morning, and I don't want to assume where anybody's at, for some of you here this morning, maybe that first part, and I'm going to come back to that first part in a, in a few minutes, uh, was really specifically speaking to you. For some of us, uh, what does it mean to be if we're rooted in God's love? So um, Paul says this, and I pray for you that being rooted and established in love, 
may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So being rooted and established in love, you may have power. What happens when power is not rooted and established in love? You think of examples when power, as I started earlier, when power is not rooted and established in love. What happens when we as Christ followers live our lives uh, in, in a way that's not rooted and established in love? So then the question, of course, is, well, what is love, right? Well, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us what love is. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, love does not boast, love is not proud, love is not, does not dishonor others, love is not self-seeking, love is not easily angered, love keeps no records of wrong, love does not delight in evil, love does not delight in the truth, and I'm expanding on it. Love always protects, love always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. When I read that list of what love is, I go, huh, not doing so well on some of those. How about you? Just look at the list for a minute. Just reflect on it just for a second. Which of those do you need to work on in your marriage? Oh, and by the way, it's not which do your spouse need to work on in your marriage. Which do you need to work on with your kids? Which do you need to work on with your friends? With people in, at your workplace? At your school? In your sports in arena? Which one of those do you need to work on? If everyone who claimed to be followers of Christ would love in that way, I think it would be a lot easier for others to see Jesus too. Wouldn't you agree? To grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, how wide is the love of Christ? It's patient. How long is the love of Christ? It never fails. How high is the love of Christ? It always protects How deep is the love of Christ? It keeps no records of wrong. So where are you? Where Christ interjects is where we begin to move in God's direction. He meets us right where we are, right at our path. I love this. I think it was back in... uh, I got my start with Youth for Christ as a concert promoter. And one of my first concerts was Petra. Remember those days? Um, I think one of their lyrics says, uh, it, even if you're 10,000 steps away, it's only one step back. That's Petra, right, I think? Romans 10.9 says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raises him from the dead, you will be saved. John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Which one are you? If, um, again, we're in a church this morning uh, where most of us were fellowshipping as believers. We love the Lord. But for some of us, we may not be in, we might know in our hearts because the power of God is at work in us right now, we might know in our hearts that we're not right with God and we need to make ourselves right with God. 
And so I'm just going to pray. I'm going to close in prayer and then a benediction that's at the bottom of this passage. And if this morning, uh, if you are feeling that stirring of the Spirit of God, which is His power at work in us, to you desire to make your life right with God, then I would like you to just pray with me and, uh, and then for the rest of us, we'll close in a benediction. And then if you wanted to talk to somebody about that, I'm going to kind of wheel out to the back afterwards, so I'm not going to be up here, so you, have, you know, just come up to the front. Uh, there's also our prayer area where you could talk with someone, or maybe someone brought you to church this morning, and I know they'd love to talk to you. So let me just, uh, let me close in prayer. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for, uh, thanks for today. Thanks for, uh, I trust that you prompted me to, by your power, to change this message up this morning, maybe even for just one person. Um, Lord, we pray that your spirit would be at work in us this morning. Father, we pray that if your power is at work in someone this morning here today, uh, that you are drawing them into relationship with yourself. I pray, Lord, that, <clears throat> that you would help them to acknowledge to you that they're a sinner, that they have sinned. They recognize that and they ask for your forgiveness and that we just need to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and place our life in your hands. And then we begin that trajectory. That's where you intersect with our lives, and we begin that new trajectory in your path and your plan for us. So if you would say, with, you would say then to the Lord, just simply to God, I have sinned, please forgive me. I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life, and I certainly want to follow him. And I place my life in your hands by faith. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Pathway Church Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And as always, don't forget to subscribe. See you next week.